In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and welcome to 2018. So for our first episode of this year, we picked a very special subject, and the timing is perfect. Because as we enter into 2018, more and more of us are concerned that the world has become more transparent. Our personal data is all over the place, and sometimes we just don't know how to control that. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So with that, I want to say we've been on the month, on the air now six months, and we've reached about 10,000 listeners. So welcome to 2018, and a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening, wherever you're tuning in from. And I'm uh, back home in Dusseldorf, Germany, for this recording. And what is this show about? What is Leadership Beyond Borders about? It's about helping you become aware of the best of leadership practices, leadership trends, and thoughts around leadership. We also talk a lot about business issues that leaders need to be aware of in order to lead their businesses successfully in today's global marketplace. And today, as I said, as we kick off 2018, we're going to be talking a little bit about the big issue of privacy, something that concerns all of us. Now, over the last months, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career or your business. So please go back and listen to some of our past episodes and make it your New Year's resolution to download this series and listen to us weekly. You can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your future success. I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net or globalbusinesstherapy.com. Tell me what you want to hear about. I'd love to get a mail from you. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, if you're a business owner, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to today. Big data is the future. It can bring us big benefits such as advertisements focus on what you you really want to buy is in smart cars that can help you avoid collisions, and it can provide AI services that can maybe help you get an ambulance if you need one someday. It's available in wearables, implantable devices, and AI, which is artificial intelligence. Begin As this begins to emerge, it's going to be everywhere. But it can also lead to big privacy problems. I mean, we all generate thousands of data points every single day, data points about where we go, with whom we communicate with, what we read and write, what we buy, what we eat, what we watch. And all these data points also make us a little bit vulnerable. The funny thing is I was preparing for this interview. I was sitting in Zagreb, Croatia airport, and they had free Wi-Fi. 
Now, to get into the Wi-Fi, I had to sign in my email address and my name. Now, I really didn't see any information, any privacy notices when I did that. No, perhaps they were there, okay? But I, as a consumer, didn't notice it because my focus was getting on my emails. I wanted to get on. No matter what I had to do, I had to get on email, okay? Now, what I usually do is I have this garbage email that I use for these kind of purposes. But then I started thinking about preparing for the show, and I was thinking, well, that garbage email is probably connected to all my other emails. And now that I've put this in it, where, are, where is my data? Is it in the hands of marketers, financial institutions, employees, the government? I mean, this was at the airport in Croatia, uh, and probably the government in Croatia has my email now. Now, because of all these issues and issues like this, there have been multiple expressions of concern from privacy advocates and governments. But there has been little action to improve privacy protections and online. And we're in a connected world. So I ask, whose responsibility is it? Is it my responsibility? You know, what's the company's responsibility to give the consumer privacy notifications? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we have an expert who knows this subject probably better than anybody else. And our expert today is Rebecca Harold. Now, Rebecca has 25 years of systems engineering, information security, privacy, and compliance experience. And she is the CEO of the Privacy Professor Consultancy, which she founded in 2004. She is also the president of Symbus LLC Information Security, Privacy, and Compliance Cloud Services, which she founded in 2014. Now, Rebecca engineered the Symbus architecture and associated services. Rebecca has authored 19 books, contributed to dozens of other books and hundreds of articles. And the two books released in 2017 were published by International Association, the Information Systems Audit and Control Association, and one was titled ISACA, Privacy Principles and Program Management Guide. Rebecca led the U.S. National Institute of Standards and Technology Smart Grid Privacy subgroup for seven years. She was an adjunct professor for Norwich University for nine years and has received numerous awards and keynoted on five continents. Rebecca appears regularly on the KCW123 television show and is quoted in diverse publications. And she's based in Des Moines, Iowa. So, uh, Germany welcomes Rebecca uh, in Des Moines. How are you, Rebecca? Welcome well, hello. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and talk about these important topics with you. That's uh, so thank you for taking the time to, to be with us. So, um, let, let's just kind of begin with some of the basics about general privacy principles. Because, you know, one of the principles is about choice and consent. And, and can you just talk about big data and privacy in, in a layman's term just to get us kicked off a little bit? Oh, definitely. And I loved your scenario, your experience that you talked about with free Wi-Fi, because that can really support understanding uh, related to this question. So, you know, you were talking about how they asked for your email address and your name, I believe. So note, uh, giving you choice and consent, what they should have done when they did that, they should have said, you know, here's what we need from you. 
your email address. Here's what we're going to do with it. So they're, they should be transparent about what they want to do with it. Are they going to use it just for your session for the Wi-Fi while you're on there? Or are they going to share it with other people? So if they would be supporting this choice and consent privacy principle, they should have told you what they were going to do with that data, who was going to get that data, how that data was going to be used, and you can do it in a very quick way. Um, The way I'm explaining it, you know, you don't need to have a a PhD thesis uh, given back to you when uh, you're being told what your choice (laughs) of consent is, but, um, you know, they should have given you a very quick and easy to understand um, information about what they're going to do with that and then get your consent. So, in other words, like, are they going to share this with the government? Well, they should tell you if they are. And if you decide that you don't want your information shared with the government, or let's say they were going to share it with marketers, then that would give you a choice. You could choose not to use the free Wi-Fi at that point. Or if you mm-hmm. think it's okay, then you could give your consent and you would consent to allowing your data that they're collecting from you uh, to be used in that way. Now, how it's concerned with big data, big data is really a simplistic term to talk about a very complex issue, which involves taking data and using a variety of different algorithms to um, be able to, to obtain insights into different individuals' lives and activities and likes and dislikes and so on. So what could be done with your data when you were um, on the free Wi-Fi there, uh, during that connection, and most free Wi-Fi is not secure, meaning Mm -hmm. it's not encrypted. So what they might have been doing then during that uh, connection, they might have been collecting such things as not only your email and your name, but they might have seen the exact sites you were going to online, the your location where you were at when you were online, the amount of time you were online and the times that you were online. They could see who you're communicating with through what's called um, IP addresses. So there's so much extra data and, and this extra data that's associated with these types of is generally referenced as metadata. So all this additional metadata is being collected. And all of that data can be used and combined with a lot of other types of data sets, like let's say for your um, from your employer or from your uh, healthcare provider or insurance company or your loan companies. There's a, mm-hmm. a, an unlimited number, but all of this data can be combined in ways to b- really tell and provide uh, your biography of your life. So big data is a big uh, danger in that way because it truly does peek into your daily life in ways that you don't even realize. Yeah, and and that's where we're, Rebecca, that's where we're vulnerable because I'm just thinking about my experience there. I mean, my thought was I don't even remember. I don't think there was a Mm -hmm. check box, okay, because I – probably would have remembered that but so I'm logged in they're using cookies or using whatever to find out where I'm going what which websites I'm going to what I'm doing that's going someplace I have no idea where that's going um and that makes us a little bit vulnerable um, it, it, it does and you know you talked about the checkbox here's something that I've seen the majority of businesses still do they automatically 
go ahead and mark that checkbox yeah. for end users. They shouldn't do that. They need right. to leave that checkbox unchecked because they assume or they hope that, you know, by going ahead and checking and, and then forcing the consumer to uncheck it, they hope to get a lot more people implicitly allowing their data to be collected. So mm-hmm. uh, that is a very bad business practice. And that's something that consumers need to call their uh, businesses on whenever they see them yeah. doing bad practices like that. Mm-hmm. So let, let's stay with that for a minute. So I'm, I have a company and, um, and I, you know, this checkbox uh, is the really, you know, did you read the privacy? Did you, re- it's a, it's part of consent. Okay. And so can you explain to us, I, as a company have an obligation to put a privacy notice there. So what is a privacy notice? Yes. Yeah, so a privacy notice is increasingly being re- required through a variety of laws and regulations throughout the world, but many places in the U.S. as well as now in uh, Europe. A privacy notice should tell the end user, you know, what data you're collecting, what choices you have uh, with regard to how it's going to be used and shared, how they can get access to that data. Um, how they can correct incorrect data and how they can stop having their data used. And, and there's mm-hmm. many other, you know, things involved with that. But this privacy notice and a lot of businesses and organizations don't realize that in most places throughout the world, that is a legally binding document. Yeah. It's, it's like their contract with their um, consumers and their customers who are visiting their website. So they need to understand that whatever they put in that privacy notice is legally binding and they need to make sure that internally all of their employees are actually following that. I found uh, during hundreds of uh, privacy impact assessments, one of the common questions that I have of the key stakeholders involved with uh, a PIA, privacy impact assessment, is how many of you know what your privacy notice on your website says? And literally 98% of them, and these are the key stakeholders, 98% of them do not know what their privacy notice says. So if they don't know this legally binding promise that they're making to people, how can they ensure that the people inside of their company who need to be doing activities to support those promises, how can they be sure that they're they're meeting compliance with that? Well, they mm-hmm. can't. They can't. So, Yeah. Okay. I, I'd like to, we're going to take a short break in a minute, Rebecca. And when we come back, mm-hmm. I'd like to stay on this because I think this is, I think your key word was here, legally binding, because I, I'm not sure that everybody, every company out there is aware about that. So we're going to take that a little bit further after the break. And for our listeners, we're talking with Rebecca Harold, the president of Symbis LLC, cloud-based privacy and information security services. And she is also the CEO of Privacy Percept professor consultancy and you can reach out to rebecca on her website at privacyprofessor.org or symbis360.com and also on twitter under privacy pro is privacy pro right okay and uh so that's privacy with p-r-o-f 
Okay. And also she's on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Pinterest under Rebecca Harold. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, leadership trainer and business expert. You can contact me with questions at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Join our LinkedIn group at Leadership Beyond Borders or go to my website at globalbusinesstherapy.com. And with that, we will be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Having a lawyer in your court is always a good idea. Each week, Wagner and Winnick on the Law helps you sort out the legal issues and questions in a forum with judges, lawyers, and policy experts, answering your questions and discussing your personal rights within the legal system. Law School Dean Mitchell Winnick, along with law professor Stephen Wagner, will discuss the sometimes ever-changing laws and policies to keep you in the know. Listen every Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. If you don't know the law, know a lawyer. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. So welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on the Voice America Business Channel. And today we are talking with Rebecca Harold, and she is the CEO and owner of Privacy Professor Consultancy, and we are talking about privacy and data and big data and everything out that connects us out there in the world. Now, before the break, Rebecca, we talked about companies' obligations to have privacy notices. And you said that you've done some privacy notice impact studies, and what you've realized from that, those studies that internally, maybe they have them externally, but internally people are not quite aware of what their own company has on the web is what I understood from you. Exactly. And that is such a huge gap because um, organizations, uh, oftentimes they put that privacy notice out there so they can check that box to say, yes, we are meeting compliance with our financial industry requirement or some other legal requirement to have a privacy notice. But then once they put it out there, and oftentimes it's put out there from either the legal department or the privacy office, 
it's put out there and it's not communicated internally. And just think about it. If you are telling people that you are not going to share their data, you're going to make sure that it is accurate. So you're ensuring integrity of that data. You're going to give them options to get access to it. Just think about those things. You have to have processes internal within the organization to support actually fulfilling those promises. You're going to have to have the IT folks, for instance, to be able to give some sort of access to to the specific data records for an individual who is asking to get access to it. And then along with that, you have to be able to verify the identity of that requester to ensure that it's not somebody, you know, who's trying to pretend to be someone else to get access to it. So there's so much that has to be created internally for processes and for IT systems and applications to support those outward-facing privacy notices. And mm-hmm. if if you aren't telling your folks inside your company what those promises are, then you know that those processes are simply not going to be created. And as a result, then you could be in non-compliance with laws and regulations, which of course could result in some significant fines and penalties, and those are increasing, but Mm -hmm. you could also very easily experience privacy breaches as a matter of having, let's say, call centers, getting a request from someone that says, hey, I want to get access to my information. They're like, oh, well, sure, I'll do whatever it takes to make you happy because most call centers, they need to bend over backwards to make. So what they'll end up doing is they'll give somebody else's information to the caller who's pretending to be someone else, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you have a breach. And once you have a breach, then you could have some multi-million dollar fines and penalties, lawsuits, and so on. So it's a very important issue that the majority of organizations simply are not addressing at all, let alone addressing in effective ways. So as a leader in my organization, and I need to cascade this down through my organization, mm-hmm. I need I need to make sure that everyone from IT to customer service to sales, okay, to whomever, mm-hmm. understands this policy. Um, what do you have any experience or, or any stories or you know a good example on how this could be done or a bad example on what not to be done? Okay. Oh. This. Yes, definitely. Well, that's what I do. Basically, I help organizations to build security and privacy programs and to make sure that this gets done. So one of the key things is you must have strong support from your executives, from your CEO, your president. They have to actually say, hey, we take this seriously. You must actually follow what our uh, privacy and security folks are telling you are our policies and procedures. I know from experience that if you don't have a strong support from your leadership, then Mm -hmm. the employees are simply going to ignore it because they're like, well, I'm not going to spend time, you know, dealing with security or privacy. I'm just going to do what my primary job responsibility is. So you must build in that strong support and actually then have your employees all accountable for actually following those policies and procedures. So establishing accountability, such as it will be considered doing their um, annual job appraisals and so on. And then something too that too many organizations do not do well or they don't do at all, they must have 
um, regular privacy and information security training and send out frequent reminders, uh, awareness reminders. Too many organizations put out really horrible training. And here's an example for you. Uh, A lot of what I've done over the years is to review training to see if it's effective or not. One organization who's in the healthcare space in the U.S., they went out and they literally copied and pasted Mm -hmm. into like 450 PowerPoint slides the actual regulatory text of the health insurance, uh, (laughs) yeah, uh, you know, HIPAA in the U.S. Can you imagine that? And then they sent out an email and they told all their employees to go out and read those uh, PowerPoints. And that's what they call training. That does not qualify as training. Most of the people inside that company, I found, they went out to the SharePoint uh, folder where these slides were, and they literally sat there just hitting the enter or advance key to get through all of those 450 slides, and it still took them over an hour to get through all the slides, even sitting there <laughs> hitting that repeatedly. I, I, that is a that's a great story because I, I mean, you and I both know you read some of these regulations, okay, mm-hmm. and and for us to understand them. Okay, it's somebody who is maybe a little bit more, you know, into the regulations to understand them is difficult. And you just really can't give those regulations to your your employees. You have to make help them make sense out of them. Okay. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Okay. That 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 is a great great story. It's funny. Um, so what? So how would you suggest people do the training? Okay. How would you? Yeah. So, oh, I love this topic. Two of my books that you you mentioned, all my books that I wrote, well, two of them are on um, how to have an effective training and uh, privacy program within an organization. First of all, you need to make it relatable to all of your employees. So you have to discuss at a high level how a concept relates to a person in their own private life and then they can relate it to why they need to do it at work so make it relatable to your uh, employees private life and then don't try to shove everything at them at one time in a two-hour training session i like to give training maybe one 10 to 15 minute a session at a time so and then focus on just you know one to three key areas that they can truly remember use some recent examples of stuff that actually happened in the world because people remember that you know you'll probably remember my story that I just told you well that that is the same thing with training. Give them an example of why they need to, to do a certain type of security or privacy activity, and then also send them frequent reminders afterward. I always like to have uh, awareness events or activities. For example, in um, the organization where I created their security and privacy program uh, back in the 1990s, for one week, I had what what I called a privacy and security wheel of fortune. And I don't know, um, folks outside of the U.S. might not know what our TV show Wheel of Fortune has been on here in the States for decades. But um, I basically went to the marketing area because they have all the money and they yeah. have all the 
<laughs> they have all the fun stuff. I didn't have much budget. <laughs> but I yeah. looked at their closet and they had this huge wheel that you could spin and it had the clicker on there, you know. So I said, hey, are you guys using that? And they're like, no, we haven't used that for a long time. So they let me borrow it. And I put a different topic for all the different sections, a different security or privacy topic. And I parked myself outside of our corporate cafeteria. And then for a week, as people went by, why they could spin the wheel. And I would ask them a question about our security and privacy program and and policies and procedures. And I had worked out a deal with our cafeteria. And the cafeteria gave me a bunch of $1 um, coupons for stuff inside of the cafeteria. And in the 1990s, you know, a dollar could get you a lot in a subsidized. So at first, the first day of the week, people were kind of leery. But when they saw others starting to come and they were actually spinning the wheel, I was asking them questions about passwords or uh, about how to dispose of information securely. Why I had people coming back then the next day after they had read my security and privacy policies, they were studying up because guess what? They were motivated to learn so they could get that free dollar coupon and go in and eat, you know, have a free coffee or a, a snack. Or, uh, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a great story. And then that brings engagement. And, that, and that's what you want, relevance engagement. And I think, I think that's a really good tip for our leaders out there that, um, you know, giving them a PowerPoint to read. I mean, how many of us have become those ourselves when we were working and we never read them, okay? But getting mm-hmm. people engaged and making relevant. And talking about relevancy, um, I, not every pri, you know, every business is different. So mm-hmm. do companies have to be aware that possibly, you know, if I'm doing e-commerce, I may have one kind of privacy notice or one kind of set of, of, um, rules and regulations, or if I'm doing something else, what, how, Oh, definitely. Kind, yeah. Okay. Yes, there is. That? Um, And and that's so important because especially when you get to large organizations, they might have multiple business units that do very different types of things. So in the healthcare space, you're going to have, you know, generally you have a core set of privacy principles that apply everywhere. And that has to do with choice and consent and making sure you limit who has access to data. But then you go on beyond that to some very specific things for specific types of information. So for healthcare, you need to make sure when you're dealing with patient data and insureds, health insureds data, that you are following the requirements that are in place for wherever you're at, wherever your actual data subject is located. And that's a very important point for establishing these uh, policies and procedures. It's about your data subject or your customer and patient and consumer. Too many organizations feel like They only have to create a privacy notice and a privacy and security program just for where they're based out of, but they Mm -hmm. need to to change their focus. Privacy is about the individual about whom that personal information applies. So they need to make sure that they know uh, what is required for, let's say, in uh, the European Union. You have the EU GDPR coming up on May 20th. you know, even if you're based in the U.S., if you have customers or patients who are from uh, citizens of or located in the, the EU, you yeah. must also follow those. If you have workers located there, a lot of people have contracted workers located in other countries. So now they they possess 
their personal information. So they need to make sure that they're following those rules too. So they need to know all of the laws and regulations for where all of their different consumers and workers are located. And then for specific types of information, like with patient information, they need to follow healthcare specific rules mm-hmm. such as HIPAA or for credit card data. They have to follow right. Um, if they're using any of the major credit cards, they have to use the payment uh, PCI DSS for the payment card industry data security standard is what those uh, letters stand for. So they have to follow very specific requirements for how they protect and use and, and share that data as well. So so easy to say, I mean, complicated to do. Yeah. Uh, and what I'm hearing is that, you know, you just can't go out and take somebody else's privacy notice and then copy and paste it onto your website or onto your business. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you said that, because over the years, I've seen so many people do that. And, and they're even <laughs> like, you know, they have friends who are in the same industry and they might even be, a, you know, a privacy officer, or security officer in one business uh, has a friend who's in the same industry, another business. Oh, well, you know, I'll just borrow theirs and use it. Well, wait. Because every single business, even if you're in the same industry, mm. They are different. They have a business business environment. They have different uh, risk profiles based upon where they're geographically located or how their facilities are are actually um, established and, and the different security controls. They also have different locations for where their uh, customers and their employees are located. They have different technologies. They aren't all using the same types of operating systems and applications. So, yeah. Yeah, they can start with that, but they have to customize it. So that's great. So, Rebecca, we're going to take a small break. Um, And for our listeners, we've been been talking with Rebecca Harold, the CEO of the Privacy Professor Consultancy and president of Symbis LLC. And when we come back, Rebecca, I'd like to take that a little bit further and kind of find out, so whose obligation is it and what happens when you have third parties who are doing things and then um, wrap up at the end of this uh, episode with a couple tips. So Rebecca can be reached on her website at privacyprofessor.org or on Twitter at privacyprof. And also, you can find Rebecca on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Pinterest under Rebecca Harold. And you can also reach out to her on reach out on her other website at symbus360.com. That is S-I-M-B-U-S-360.com. And you can reach out to me, please. Also, this is Kimberly Lewis. You're listening to Voice America Business. Reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Join our LinkedIn group at Leadership Beyond Borders or go to my website at globalbusinesstherapy.com or leadershipbeyondborders.net. And with that, we'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. 
Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. I am your host, Kimberly Lewis. And today we are speaking with Rebecca Harold, CEO of the Privacy Professor Consultancy and President of Symbis LLC. Now, before the break, we've talked we've talked a lot about um, Rebecca privacy notices and how you can't cut and paste them and and how they have to be different. So I'd, I'd like to come stay on this issue for a minute and just ask you, so whose obligation is this anyways? I mean, clearly it's a company's obligation, but I mean, who owns this? Oh, that's a great question because there's a lot of confusion around that. And too many organizations that contract third parties to do businesses uh, work for them or processing for them, too many think that once they outsource a certain type of activity that involves personal information, that they no longer have liability for what happens to that information once they've passed it along to that third party. Well, 
they're wrong. There is always a level, sometimes a great level, sometimes a a smaller level, but there's always liability and accountability that follows that personal data that they are entrusting to a third party um, when it goes to that third party. And why? Well, just think about it. When you have your posted privacy notice, you're making a promise to the individuals from whom you're gathering their personal information. So if you're making a promise to them, that means you have to fulfill that promise throughout the entire life cycle of that data while you're using it. So even Mm -hmm. if you have given that data to a third party, you still have that promise that you're accountable for and you must fulfill. So if you outsource processing of personal information to a third party, you need to make sure that that third party is also fulfilling all of those promises that you made to the individuals whose information you collected, even after you've passed it off to them. And that's where way too many organizations um, lack the appropriate oversight of their third parties. And that's one of the things that my Symbus business does. It helps to automate and ensure ongoing oversight of third parties to ensure that they have appropriate security and privacy controls in place. Mm-hmm. Because you don't you don't hear about the third parties that much, do you, Rebecca? I mean, if you hear a data, I mean, we've had some pretty big breaches lately. Yes. And, and um, I, I never hear about the third parties. Yeah, and, and guess why? Because usually the third party, you know, they don't have that everyday name. They, third parties that do work for other businesses typically aren't putting commercials on TV or on the radio, you know, they're trying to get work directly with consumers uh, or with uh, businesses. But just think about it, the businesses, like if you have a huge insurance company that um, you use for your own uh, insurance, and um, I'm not going to use any names because I don't want to imply anything but um you know that's the name you know that's who you're doing business with you have no idea all of the literally hundreds and i found organizations that have thousands of third parties they use but really you aren't going to know all the other third parties that they're using so of course if there's some business that might have a breach maybe even if they made the headlines you aren't going to notice them because you aren't going to know that your data was being handled by them. But what's interesting is, and there are many different research uh, organizations that have looked into this, anywhere from 40 to 60% of all privacy breaches actually start or are caused by these third parties because uh-huh. they didn't have you know, appropriate security controls in place. So it's a huge issue that needs to be mitigated. But that, as a leader and as a company, mm-hmm. that doesn't ta- that doesn't take me off the hook. That actually makes it worse no. because now I I'm I have the obligation. I've you've entrusted your data to me as a company. Now I outsource it to a third party, and um, so I mean, where does the buck stop or start? Okay, I have the yes. liability. Does does third parties have any liability in this at all? Oh well, sure. And this okay. is something that. Business leaders have to understand that they cannot, in a contract with the third parties, eliminate all of their liability. Mm, Too too many business leaders I've spoken with at conferences and, and various types of events, they say, oh, well, you know, we put a little clause in our contract with our third parties to say that we are not going to re- be responsible. 
Well, that doesn't work that way because you can't undo a promise you made somewhere else in this contract you have with the third party because mm-hmm. your, your uh, contract, your promise to the data subjects was with the data subjects. So you have to fulfill that no matter who is handling the information. And we've seen that different organizations who have experienced breaches through their third parties are held accountable. And oftentimes there's the, the reason is because they did not have appropriate oversight of their third parties. They didn't ensure that those security controls were in place before they entrusted that data to them. So it, if you try to to worm your way out of responsibility by putting um, a, a, some sort of clause in your contract with the third party, you're going to find in most courts anyway that that's just not going to fly. Um, you're mm-hmm. going to bear some sort of responsibility. So what you want to do is mitigate your um, liabilities by having as much third-party oversight as possible. And by doing that, you're demonstrating due diligence and you are showing through your documentation of what you're doing for that oversight that that you have tried your best to ensure that your third parties are following what your promise was to the data subjects. So that can mitigate your liability down dramatically but if mm-hmm. you aren't doing that, you could you could still have multi-million dollar fines and penalties when your third party has a breach. And that's, yeah. you know, that's a matter of all laws and regulation. I mean, the EU GDPR is one right. in particular that is very explicit about that. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, we did a whole show um, for our listeners on the GDPR in September. Yeah. So if you'd like to listen to that um, with uh, two experts from Brussels and Austria here. So uh, did an uh, interview with me. So listen back on that one. But I want to I want to stay in this, um, you know, breach. OK, so and liability, because this is an important issue, because I don't think a lot of leaders understand wh- how big the liability is. Um, we in Europe certainly do now with GDPR. But um you know, how, you know, I'm trying to do my best as a leader. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any way to minimize the damage from a privacy breach? What do I have to do when I, when I, you know, stuff happens, okay? Yes, um, yes. So what, what do I have to do? Okay. Well, there's, there's multiple things. So you need to make sure you can demonstrate due diligence by having up-to-date and applicable policies and procedures that you're actually enforcing consistently throughout the organization. You need to have your third-party oversight to mitigate what uh, threats are coming through them. You can also uh, do your training and awareness. That is important. And and that's another reason. By providing regular and ongoing training and awareness, you're mitigating then your liability because you're demonstrating due diligence. You can also consider getting a growing number of cyber liability insurance. Um, And that's something through my Simis business. We're actually starting a new service line in January where we will be providing various types of cyber liability insurances. But while, you know, those don't necessarily cover everything, a lot of those uh, coverages now are much more mature and better than they were even just five years ago because you have more actuarial data that they're basing their their premiums on and we are seeing better history of the different types of breaches. So by getting cyber liability insurance, that can help also 
to um, reduce the amount of actual losses by anywhere from a half to sometimes as much as you know seventy or eighty percent of what your loss would have been without it. So that mm-hmm. that's another uh, consideration. That's another way. Yeah. And what about what about time? Because I I know and and just for our listeners, GDPR is a, is a the general data protection regulation coming out of the EU um, that takes mm-hmm. effect in May next year. So just to keep everybody a little bit informed, um, but in in Europe they're saying you know this has to be timely. And we saw some situations in the states just recently that were not timely. I mean, people were not informed. How how important is it for companies then you can have the protection, you can have the insurance, you can show what you did, but I have to be informed as a consumer, okay, or, or as a person of data. What's is there any regulations around that? Oh, definitely. There are a variety, especially in the states as you you probably are aware, we have a huge patchwork of 52 state and territory breach notice laws. Mm-hmm. We have breach notice under the healthcare um, industry, under the education industry, under the the U.S. government, uh, federal. So there are many different ones that have many different requirements with regard to how quickly you need to notify. Uh, so you need to generally look at what's the least amount of time that you need to respond to these once you have determined that the breach is likely to to cause harm in some way, financial harm or otherwise, to the impacted individual. So here's something that also too many organizations do not do. They don't have established a not only a privacy breach policy and procedure, but they need to have a team that they've mm-hmm. identified and yeah. give them responsibilities for what they're going to do as a part of that breach response team. And then don't stop there actually go through and do training with them and do tabletop exercises that emulates different types of breaches. That's one of the things I've done over the years is create various case studies that I go through with different privacy uh, breach teams to make sure that they know how to respond quickly. Because if they don't, some of these requirements um, say you must respond within 72 hours of discovering the breach. Um, So you need to be aware, and just to your point, too, about some of these organizations went a very long time. Well, sadly, too many organizations didn't know that a breach was happening for yeah. a long time. They found out about it. I mean, there was a hospital system on the east side, uh, east coast of the U.S., and their breach went on for over seven years, and they didn't even identify it until one of their um, customers notified them to say, I think somebody's been looking at my personal information records inappropriately. And then when they started looking into it, they found one of their insiders, one of their employees was the one that was causing the breach. But, you know, you have to have a way to log and monitor access to personal information Mm -hmm. records so you can catch them when it's occurring. So I think I think the point here, and what I'm listening, what I'm hearing from you is is I mean this is complicated, and I'm a mm-hmm. leader, and I you know if you're dealing with 50 different breach laws, you're dealing with international laws, you're dealing with different regulations. Um, you know it's really my obligation as the leader of the organization, as senior leader, to ensure that it's cascaded down, that people are aware, people um, are trained, and to do everything. So I think on that, Rebecca, because we're, we're, we're getting towards the, um, the end of our, our episode today, which I'm sure you and I could go, we could go on mm-hmm. forever with this. Okay. 
Um, if you had two to three tips mm-hmm. for the leaders out there, okay, let's say three tips for the leaders of companies. What do they have to do? Yes. Well, first of all, too many leaders I've spoken with ha- are willing to gamble that nothing is going to happen. They're like, well, nothing's happened so far. So it, we must have pretty good security in place. Well, don't, that that is a bad assumption. So never assume or take a gamble that nothing bad will happen. You have to assume mm-hmm. that something will happen. So yeah. once you know that, that first tip, second tip is then identify someone or a position to assign responsibility to to create or improve your information security program and give them the support and the the full backing that they need because if they don't have a leader's backing and support the employees are going to see that and they're going to ignore them and they're not going to do and follow the policies and procedures and then third make sure you provide for your entire organization make sure that all your employees who have access to personal information and what anyway even on hard copy information make sure that they all get regular training and that you send out uh, reminders. And I found in my experience, um, a a CEO that I used to uh, do work for, he said, write up my um, information that goes out to our employees, and I'll send it out under my name, and I'll copy your name on there so people can see I support you. So support the program in every way possible. Well, I think those are three great tips for our leaders to start 2018. And thank you, Rebecca. The show has been great. We've been, for our listeners, we've been talking to Rebecca Harold, CEO of Privacy Professor Consultancy and president of Symbus LLC. She's an author of 19 books. Reach out to her on privacyprofessor.org. You can find her on LinkedIn. And Rebecca, you're going to have a show on Voice America Business starting in January. So uh, do you know which day of the week that's going to be? That has not been determined yet, but I'm very excited for it. And the focus of that will be on information security and privacy uh, with the privacy professors. So that I'm excited to do that. Thank you. And having you on too. Oh, great. And welcome. (laughs) And thank you. And welcome to the Voice America family. And for our listeners, I'm Kimberly Lewis, and I'm your host from Leadership Beyond Borders. And you can reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or leadershipbeyondborders.net, my website or global business therapy my website and we are available at leadership beyond borders and global business therapy for executive coaching motivational speaking leadership training systemic team coaching so visit the website reach out to me send me an email and i wish everybody a fantastic 2018 and make it your new year's obligation to tune in to us every week so until next week bye Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.